Tell them, okay? But, but the point is, but the point is we, have this, we have this funny little human nature way of we, we sort of are dealing with the trees and we forget about the forest, right? We get dialed into the details of our lives that are problematic. I mean, you're not spending a lot of time on the things that are going well. You spend time on the stuff that you need to work on, right? And so that all of a sudden starts becoming your reality. And so here's what God does throughout the year. He says, I want you to stop and I want you to reset the, 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 the view, the perspective, because I want you to remember what I've done. So I want to recapture the big picture so that you know what the detail is. Now watch this. The stop is not just to look back. The look back is to rejigger you for what he's sending you into. You see that? So remembering these things is extremely important. It resets our perspective. It resets our attitude. It may bring us new hope. It just does things that bring us back to, oh, okay, I have new energy. I have new hope. I have new promise to move forward into the things that God is moving me into. See that? So we're going to do that today because it's the Sunday before Thanksgiving, and we're going to look at this. Now, uh, we're going to look at this through something that's called Reveal, which is you guys know that you took these two surveys a little while ago. And by the way, I want to say we're not going to deal with TCAT, Transformational Church Assessment Tool. That's the one that we did in-house where we did it by paper. The Reveal one, as I told you at the time, we're, we just got the results back on TCAT. I haven't had time to process them. I'm sure they say the same thing Reveal does. Be, but Reveal does everything in a more sophisticated way, if I can put it that way. It, it just really gets below the surface of things. So I'm going to show you some of the results of Reveal. And the reason why is because we're going to stop, look back, and honestly, by the time we're done, we're going to go, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. Look at what you've done. This is amazing. So that we can be reinvigorated to move forward. See it? So this is going to be a really fun sermon. I think it's going to be very edifying uh, I just can't wait to share this stuff with you, so I won't. Uh, Michael, which Michael, though? Do you know which one it is? Is it Michael Kelly? Okay. Not Michael Kelly. Michael Weber. Okay, there you go. All right, there you go. Michael Weber, would you pray for the sermon? Pray for another church. You know what I mean? Do, our, do the thing. Okay. Heavenly Father, I um, just want to lift up a few things. Um, thank you for this weather we've had lately. Um, just your your creation on Showcase. Um, thank you for this church family. Um, and with that, I want to lift up the church family over in the Philippines, um, kind of the greater Amen. church over there. Um, just the devastation they've had, not just recently, but just kind of back-to-back -back with the flooding before that. Um, just, uh, I mean, it's it's kind of been prophesied and I don't really want to go into that, but that you just use the church and um, your presence emanate from the, the Christians there. Um, and with that, I lift up this service, um, and please speak to us. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hey, by the way, during worship, you know, we're, we're getting some good words and so on. There was two primary words. There was three people or four people that spoke. I think it was only three. But there was three people that spoke, and there was two basic words. And the first one was, thank him. And you already heard my introduction, so you can see that that's a pretty good fit. And the second one was to, to rejoice. And that, that wasn't exactly that. What was the second one? I had it in my head two seconds ago. But I'm just telling you that both of these words were perfect for what we're doing today. So I hear these things. What was that second one? Stephanie, where are you? It was a praise hymn. That's right. 
And I, I'm still missing part of it because when I was listening to that, I was going, here you go again, Lord. You know what I mean? Literally, you're prophesying what my sermon is. And this isn't like horoscopes where it's all vague and general and it kind of fits. I mean, this is dead on, like the things that the thoughts that are in my head regarding the sermon and God is speaking them out to the body. So that's just one more evidence that God's in control and he's doing what he's doing. And that's what we want, right? So having said that, here's what we're going to do. Okay, I do need to do a little background because A, there's some people that are new in here, and B, it's just good to be reminded, it's important to be reminded about what started all of this so that we know where we started so that we get some sense of where he's trying to take us, right? So what happened was in, in the, I think it was the spring and the summer of 2008 before the housing boom, before the housing bubble collapsed, right? Blew up and collapsed, right? And took everything down with it. Before that happened, I'm on my walk, and I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, looks, everything looks pretty good in the church, and things are rolling along really nicely. Things are whizzing along. In fact, they're going really well. And all of a sudden, just out of the blue, God starts telling me that he's desperately unhappy with the American church. Not, not like Sam, even though that too, because we're part of the American church, but he was saying he's desperately unhappy with the American church. And you'll remember me starting to talk about this even before the crash because I started talking about what he started telling me was as I went out day after day and tried to figure out what this meant because it, was a, it took a couple of years for us to really understand the fullness of what he was saying. But the point was, is you remember I started saying, remember blow up church? Because what he started telling me was is he's going to blow up church because he's desperately unhappy with something and I didn't quite know what it was and so we were just kind of walking through this process and we're all praying about it I'm talking about it at church we're trying new things we're trying to understand what it was that he's unhappy about and as the months and even a couple of years went by but as the months went by for this one all of a sudden it became really clear just clearer and clearer and clearer I should say and that was that what what was happening was is that discipleship in the church was plummeting now, at that point in time, I need to make this clear. I was talking about this, and I'm not doing this to pat myself on the back. Do not, I just hope you know me well enough to know that that would just be offensive to me, okay? I want to do this because I want us to see how God leads, right? I want us to see what he's been doing in this church, okay? So, all right. But before, you, you could not go to any research materials that said anything about this. You couldn't, I didn't, we didn't get it from a magazine, we didn't get it from a survey, we didn't get it from Barnum, we didn't get it from Gallup, we didn't get it from anywhere because nobody was talking about this. God was talking to us about it, and he wasn't just talking to us, he was talking to all the churches in America and anybody who was taking their walks and praying to God was getting the same thing I was getting because what started happening was, as he was telling us this, he started laying on the hearts of people like Barna and Gallup and churches and so on, and they started doing all this work and research on it. And about a year after we started talking about it, all of a sudden, the statistics started coming out, and they were, they were worse than anybody could have imagined. I mean, literally the most cataclysmic drop in maturity of Christians that we'd ever seen in a period of time. I mean, was, when I say that, statistics, you say, you can't say that, Kurt, but you get my point, Okay. The point is, is we saw this just incredible plummeting of discipleship in the church. I mean, literally people not knowing any theology and, and not understanding what it was to walk with Christ and not knowing anything. I mean, it was just frightening. And all this research starts coming out about this, and then all these seminars start up and conferences start up. And those things are still going on until today. Right now, if you go and you look at the top ten conferences in America and you look at what their subject is, probably six, probably six to eight of those conferences are about discipleship. And back before this time, that was not, they were about church growth. 
because that's what we were doing, church growth. Everybody's growing. Grow, 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 right? Well, what we did in our staff is we were already looking at this, and we started saying, why is discipleship plumbing? plummeting? And what we came to the conclusion was, is we, what we started calling, and you've heard this before, the pros of the problem. In other words, there was so much money coming in in 2006, 2007, 2008, and even, frankly, in the church through 2009. It wasn't until 2010 that the housing bubble caught up with giving. And what happened was, is that during that time, there was so much money coming in that, that churches were hiring staff like crazy. We had all kinds of pastors, and it wasn't just us. Think about this for a second. In, the, in, a, in a larger church, just slightly larger than us, you had a music pastor and a worship pastor. Think about that for a second. You had a full-time paid music pastor and worship pastor. Now, both of, both of those things are terribly important things, right? But what exactly was the difference between them? I mean, music was more like performances and choirs and things like this, and worship pastoring was the person standing up front, you know, singing and doing that kind of stuff. And, and everything else. But you see how much, you see what was happening was, if you really want to get serious about this, tell me when it was that youth pastors became something that every church had to have. Tell me when that happened. Because I'm going to tell you it was within the last about 40 years. Before that, the church somehow got by for a couple of thousand years without them. And what's really frightening is, We've got all these youth pastors are being hired out of school, and they're doing good jobs, and they love God, and I'm not being critical of youth pastors, but here's what I want to say. We're losing 85% of our kids when they go to college. Something's wrong. <laughs> Something ain't lining up. We're hiring people to do this stuff, and it's not working. That's what we're discovering. All these people that we're hiring, in fact, as we learned, were the problem. In other words, here's how God disciples a person. Come up here, Kirk. When was the first time that you started doing something at this church? Do, I, I mean the stuff that you're doing, the hosting and all that kind of stuff. Um, that happened um, probably my second to last quarter before I graduated from the How long ago was that? Um, yeah. About a year? Yeah, it, Thereabouts, yeah. Right, right, in, right in about a year's period of time. Now, coming up here and saying a few things to people and doing that kind of stuff, that's no big deal, right? How hard was that? To come up here on stage and say a few things? Yeah. Sometimes kind of hard. Yeah. Yeah, so just tell me, did, was this some, I probably should have it mic'd, but, uh, but anyway, I just, okay, but I, I want people that are watching too to be able to hear this. I, and I'm just going to ask you, just tell me, has this affected your walk with Christ? Doing things here at the church? Yeah, the stuff that you're doing, the hosting, and, and now you're involved in youth and so on. Has this affected your walk it's with Christ? It's absolutely transformed my relationship with Christ. It, actually, just quick thing, I, I, um, I worked in Beijing for a short period of time, and I just was, I felt the Lord call me, volunteer at the church, you're going to find me, do the soundboard. And I was like, I've never done soundboard, yeah. nothing. And from there, it's just been, I, you know, I'm a service guy. You know, so the Lord will call you into whatever it is that brings you close to yeah. him, and I feel like... Now, did, did, we, did we talk about the fact that we were going to talk about this? No. Okay. So I want, to, I want you to hear. Okay, I want you to hear what's happening. Do you see this? As he stepped forward... Now, who used to do the hosting? The pros. The people that we paid. See? But now we don't do that anymore. As much as we can, we don't do that. And so here it is. People on the worship steering team, raise your hands if it's made a difference in your life to be on the worship steering team. I mean made a difference in your life. See, that's the whole team. 
Do you see this? Okay, thanks, Kirk. Okay. You, 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 right? Are we getting it? So here's what happened. We started saying, you know, the pros of the problem and everything else and, and, and uh, you know, in 2010, in the fall, you know, I, I remember going on my walk. I remember this deeply. We were about a year into figuring out what to do about the fact that discipleship was plummeting. And we were starting to develop strongly what steering teams were and what they were supposed to be. And we were starting to realize that we were going to have to let some people go. And we were going to have to hire other people whose skill set was just in, in building teams. Because we didn't need people to do the ministry anymore. We needed people that could help people come together and get along. You know what I mean? You know, truly, right? I mean, worship training team, could you raise your hand and say, we need a little help in getting along, you know what I mean? So there's just, and youth steering team, and all of the, all the various things, like Sam Kids and so on. So the point is, is that what we did was, is that we started hiring those kind of people, and we started, started making this transition. Now, the last person to go of the pros was Troy Smith. And I thought that God, just because he loved me, would go ahead and let me keep Troy Smith around as a token. <laughs> Okay, at the very, I mean, not that he wouldn't be of great value because he is of great value wherever he goes. But Troy was just, you know, I mean, I love a lot of people and, and I truly do. But there was just something about God connecting me with Troy throughout the years and so on that he was just, that was like just taking me and ripping me in half to have him go. I just love the guy. I still do. We still talk regularly and so on. And there's lots of other people that I could say that about too. But I just want to say, I just didn't know that he was going to do that. And then he told me he was going to do it. And then sure enough, you know, he started telling me and I was going, oh man. And, and then sure enough, Troy said, hey, I got this call and I think it might be God. And, and you know, and I said, well, I think it might be God too. And here's why. And, and then Troy goes, now that's the fall. This is important. That's the fall of 2011. Now, when we get to the 2010, excuse me, when we get to the spring of 2010, you see it? This is, we've only, Troy's been gone now for about four or five months, and the worship steering team has had its initial sort of, you know, figuring out what we're doing, and it was a little rough and awkward. We said it was going to be, but now it was starting to gel, and things were starting to happen, but we were still at the very front end of this titanic shift in what we were going to be doing in church, and why we were going to be doing it, and how we were going to be doing it. And what I did was I went to my daughter, Shalimar, who was taking a master's, who's got her master's at SPU, and they were working with our church as a sort of case study of a business, right? We said, yeah, you bet, come and help us. And I went to Shalimar, and I said, I need you to go find me a study, and not just any study. I need you to go find me an assessment tool that will allow us to take a picture of how we're doing right now. Because we're at the beginning of a process that is pretty unnerving to people. There's a lot of issues and freak out. And when you see these reveal studies, let me tell you right now, Callie uh, Parkinson, the person that does this for Willow Creek and where we got reveal from and that kind of stuff, Callie, the person that did it, when she saw our results, she said, she said, you guys have the weirdest results I've ever seen. Amy was on the phone call with me. She said, I've never seen results like this. She said, you have two things going on that should be totally at odds with one another. One is, your people really like your church. You'll see that in these 2011 results. The people really like the church, but they're really scared. That's how sophisticated this, these results are. She said, they're really nervous about something. And we said, well, here's what they're nervous about. Now, what Callie didn't know is, we got a couple, it was a couple of thousand bucks at that point in time to buy this survey. And they gave it to us for free because Shalimar called them and said, we don't have a couple of thousand dollars to give you for a survey, but here's what we're doing. 
And the people that were doing the study said, we're going to give you the survey because what you're doing is what we think all the churches in America should be doing. And we want to see what you guys look like. We want to, you see what I mean? So we're going to give you the study because you're doing what we're saying, what we're discovering churches should be doing. Now, where does the study itself come from? Just real quick. Willow Creek is a seeker-sensitive church. Most of you know what that means. For those who don't, real quickly, here's what it means. It means make Sunday morning about bringing people to Christ only. Don't try and go deep. Just make it very attractive. Have great music. Don't, don't make it churchy. Don't do anything that would be off-putting to people. Just make it a very comfortable place for people to come. Then they'll get saved. And then we'll have Wednesday night services and we'll have other things to do and groups and so on that will disciple them deeper. And so Will had been doing this for quite a while and the sort of weakness of it had started showing. So they said, let's take a survey, see how we're doing. They paid Gallup a million bucks to develop a sophisticated survey, not just to ask people, how are you doing? But to actually ask them questions in a sophisticated way that would give them insight into how they were really doing, even if they didn't know it themselves. I'm telling you, that's the level of sophistication in Reveal. And then what they did was, is that when Willow Creek got the results back and they said, people say that they're not growing here. And, and they were really ticked off. They said that we're not being fed. And they were, and I mean, Hybels, I heard him talk about it. He said, I was really mad. He said, it took me months to get over the fact. I told him, you told him you're not going to grow on Sunday morning. That's not what it's about. You're going to grow when you get involved in other things. Well, the truth was is some people were, but most people weren't getting involved in other things. So what they did is they said, you know what, now that we're over our hurt from finding out we don't actually feed people, let's look and figure out how do people actually grow in Christ, and let's measure that. So they paid Gallup another million bucks to figure out how people actually grow in the Lord. One of the findings of that, I've said it many times in here, what they found out was is people that they classify as close to Christ. It means Christ has become the center of your life, and that's what your life is about. That people who have gotten there, 85% got there because they had some sort of major crisis in their life. A, a health problem, a relational problem, a financial problem, something that was devastating their life. And it cast them upon God to pray, to read the scriptures, to seek help from other people, to, to really go after finding God in their moment of crisis. And once they found him, they got to where when the crisis ended, they liked being close to him. So they kept doing the reading, and they kept doing the being with other people, and they kept doing the outreach and the serving, and they kept doing this because it had become daily bread to them. See, it was feeding them. Feeding, you see the, you hear the word? So what they did is, is they developed this second survey. This is the one that you all took in 2011 and that you just got done taking about a month, a little over a month ago this year. And what it did was is it looked at, here's how people grow. How are your people doing in this process? See what I mean? Okay. Now, do we all understand the study and everything else? Okay. So I, I realize, I want to say right now, there's, in this crowd, there's about half the crowd's pretty good with statistics because there's a lot of Microsoft people sitting here, and you guys are good at that stuff usually, right? But there's a lot of people that are going, statistics, oh my God, why did I come today? I knew I shouldn't have come today. You know what I mean? So I just want to say, hang in there. I'm going to do it. We're only taking a small slice of the total data. If I, I can show you all the data, and I want to say to the good statisticians, I'm going to make some conclusions out of numbers. You're going to say, well, they don't necessarily mean that. 
And what I want to tell you is, is if, you, if I showed you all the data, you would know that the conclusion that we're drawing from it is the one that the data tells us to draw. Because there's more than one possible based on what I'm telling you. See what I'm saying? Based on what I'm showing you. Okay? But I'm trying to keep it simple enough that everybody can rejoice in the amazing thing that's in here. So, here's the reveal study. Uh, just like, that's my bad. Okay? All right, here's the, well, that's my bad still, I'm sure, but there you go. There's the reveal, and this is what, what we do is, is we get this PowerPoint. Now, what I did this year, it says April 2011 and October 2013. I got, I have two PowerPoints sitting in front of me, and what I did is I went like this with them. And I overlaid 2013 with 2011, and I'll show you what that means. Here, for example, don't look at all the details here. I'm going to go into details in a, in a second here. But here's the top five priorities. I'm going to explain what that means in one second here. But now watch this. See? So the, what happens is the upper part here, that's 2011 findings. The lower part here is 2013 findings. And this, we're only going to use this graph. There are other kinds of graphs and other kinds of data that they're mining. And, and by the way, let me say, really cool thing. Here's what they discovered. There's six basic things that people need to be doing. Six basic things that people need to be doing. And it's not if you do these things, you will be close to Christ. It's that people that are close to Christ do these things as part of being close with Christ. They flow out of it. Okay? And those six things happen to line up identical with ours. And if I showed you some of the other data, you would see devotionals in there. You would see threefolds in there. They don't call them threefolds, but they say this kind of relationship has to be in there. Outreach is in there. Serving is in there. Small groups is in there. Sunday church is in there. And we're going to look at about four or five of these right now. But I'm telling you, they're all in there. So 2011, 2013. Now, let's, let's start digging into it. Here's, here's what the whole thing looks like. And then here's what we do. Okay, now... Okay, the first thing I want you to do is see the importance score? What does that mean? That means you guys said on a scale of one to six, six being very important, one being not, okay? What did you say was important? So this is as totally, this is what you think is important, right? But I want you to understand something. What you think is important may not actually be the most important thing. You see that? Like if what you think is important is, is that the building is clean, that may be super important to you, but is that really more important than being close to Christ? See it? All right. Go ahead. Thanks. So, see the important scores. One's low, five's high. They're pretty high things. But do notice something. They do not rank it by what you think is important, by what we think is important as a group. See? They rank it by something else, which we're going to get to. But they do measure what do your people think is important. Because that's important. Okay? Now, the second thing they do is here's the list of things. I want you to look at the 2011 list, the top half. Promotes a strong serving culture. Helps develop a personal relationship with Christ. Church leaders model how to grow. Provides compelling worship. Provides a chance to grow. Now, just look at those ones because we're going to look at 2013 here in one second, okay? I just want you to look at the upper half. Now, those are pretty good things to have up there, right? They, you guys care about Christ. But let's just take one of them. Provides compelling worship. And the reason why is because I just talked about joy and worship and all this kind of stuff. And I want you to see something. So... Here's provides compelling worship, and here it is in the, oops, got, too, got ahead of myself. Provides important, now what you guys said was that that was a 5.1. You see that's the fourth one down, that's how it lines up. So it's a 5.1 in terms of importance. Now, now understand, see, you, this is a very sophisticated study. So one of the things that you're looking at is not just raw numbers, 
But what are the numbers telling you? And one of the things that they're telling you is, is what, you, is what your people think is important, the important things. Because if they're not, then you've got another problem. See what I mean? Somehow we're communicating something different. But even in these categories, I just want you to know again, there's more than one way to look at provides compelling worship. If you're somebody who comes to Lake Sam, here's what comp providing compelling worship means. Getting into God's presence. Being led into God's presence, right? That's what worship at Lake Sam is about. I can tell you what it's not about. A performance. But see, if you went to a seeker-sensitive church, you might think of compelling worship as what? I went to a concert last night, and we better be just as good as the concert was. You see it? So you could say that. Now, we have numbers underneath the data that indicate what you guys care about is getting close to Christ, not the performance thing. So we're in the right place, right? But I just want to show you something so that you know that when I say all these things about the movements and stuff, I'm, it's not just me. Look at, this, look at this article. This is a brand new article. Why rock star worship leaders are getting fired. This is this thing that's going on right now, this whole discipleship thing. People are looking about why aren't our people being discipled. And you know what they're finding at mega churches? They're finding two things. Number one, we do performances. We don't do worship. We're putting on concerts. But we're not actually leading people into the intimate presence of Christ. That's number one. And number two is because the, the bar is so stinking high on the quality, nobody from the body can actually be involved and so they're not growing. And so megachurches are starting to fire their, worship, their rock star worship pastors because they're saying, we're going to take a hit on quality in order that we get an increase in worship and in participation of people from our body. You see it? That's what this article is going into. So having said that, I want you to look at ours. Okay? Uh, so provides compelling worship. You rested at a four... 5.1. Now the next thing, the next column over is satisfaction score. Now here's what that's saying. This is how important I think a thing is. And this is how well I think we're doing on it. So it still is our opinion of how we're doing. See what I mean? It's not God's opinion, but it's our opinion. Okay? But you can look at, are we going after the right things? And then we can kind of start to correlate between, if we're going after the right things in God, but we don't think we're doing a good job at it, then that's going to tell us something. So you got satisfaction scores, all right? Now, our satisfaction score is a 4.3, okay? Now, I realize I'm just about to lose everybody right here. Hang in here because it's going to get really good after I get through the technical garbage here, okay? The, the number that's important on this score, the only ones that we're going to look at from here on out, are the priority score because here's what the priority score is. They don't just take one and subtract it from the other and say, what's your greatest difference? What if, you, what, if, what if you said, it's really important to me that we have a clean building, and geez, our building is always dirty, and that's our number one priority now because of the spread between them. But they're saying, what they do is they take a very sophisticated analysis in the way that they're running the numbers, and they run a formula, and basically the formula tries to identify what are the most important things, and relative how are they doing, and then they, they, they weight it in a way I just can't go into. I don't even totally understand it. But the bottom line is what they're saying is, is there may be 40 things that a church needs to be doing, is doing. See what I mean? What these five top ones are is this. These are the ones that have, they're, they're weighted towards how important they are, and they have the biggest spread between their importance and the satisfaction. Do you see that? So the priority score is telling you 
this is a really important thing and you're not doing very well at it or however well you're doing. Now here's what they mean. So you see that? Now I want to explain something. Those other two scores are six to one. One to six, right? This score, this priority score, goes from, well, it goes as high as it can. And it, like you'll get scores in the 20s, okay? So here's what, the, here's what this score reads. Very important right now. Zero to four means it's at the top of the list, but it's not important. It, you're doing really well at this. If you have a score below four, you're doing really good, okay? So yeah, sure, go ahead and work on it because it's one of your top things to work on, but don't be too freaked out because actually you're doing really well if it's your zero to four. If you're four to eight, you got a moderate problem. Okay, you need to work on it. It's not critical at all, but you got a moderate problem. If you're eight to 12, you got a problem. You really need to figure out what to do about this. If you're 12 and above, you are in critical crisis mode and you need to drop everything else and fix this because something's going terribly wrong and you need to fix it. You see the, you see the range? And it goes up to, I, I don't know how high it goes. I think the highest score we ever had on any of them was a 13 or something, something like that, I can't remember. But, but the point is, is there you go. So, so I want you to see something. In 2011, you remember I told you that Callie said that we were a really good church? That our measurement, our, our things, now here's what she means by that. Look at 5.1, that's not very high, right? It's in the low end of the moderate scale. Now, all the rest of those are still in the moderate, so we do have problems that we need to work on, but they're all in the moderate region. See that? So she's saying you're doing really well. I, I need to, I'm not going to bring it up right now, so don't look at 2013 because I'll show you that in a second. But let's go back to worship, okay? The reason, the way that they rank something is the priority score. So here's what they're saying. You provide compelling worship. People think it's pretty important. Their satisfaction with it is... Remember, this is 2011 when we just started it. We'd gone from Troy to the worship steering team. There was still a lot of concern about how things were going to go. People were nervous and so on. So it ranked as a, you know, and it ranks as a pretty high priority. It picked out one of our priorities, and that was one of your priorities. We want to have good worship here. This is what you were saying, right? And we're concerned about it. So we needed to work on it. Now watch. Show me where it is in 2013. It's not there. What does that mean? You done did good. Worship steering team, praise God. Okay? People aren't worried about you anymore. They were worried because of the transition, and now here's what they're saying is, they're saying, it's not even on there. See that? Now there's about 40 things but, you know, right? You see what I'm saying? Look, the lowest one is 2.7, so it means in terms of their priority score, it's a 2.7. Remember, anything below that, you know, is good, <laughs> right? Anything above that, up to four, is still good, right? So you see what's being said. What we learn from these numbers, the year to year, is we learn, praise God for worship string team. Now, let's always make something clear. This is a day where we are patting ourselves on the back to some extent because that's appropriate. But don't anybody forget something. Does anybody think that if God hadn't come in and favored us with this, that we would have gotten there? How bad could it have gone? You remember when we first started this, I thought our chances of success in all of this transition was about 15%. And I didn't say that to set an arbitrarily low number. I said that because I'm a terrible manager. 
And this was a massive sea change into something that nobody had ever seen. And we didn't know how to do it. We didn't have the people to do it. We didn't know what we were doing. And we were just going to try and find our way. And we were just praying that God would bless us. And what that's telling us is, is that God blessed us. So let's keep the credit where the credit is due. And at the same time saying thank you to the worship steering team for going through what you went through in order to get here. See that? People still think it's important. But they're saying you're doing a good job. Praise God. All right, let's look at another one right now. Help develop a personal relationship with Christ. That's got to be, look at that. That's the highest score in 2011. Do you see that? Develop a personal relationship with Christ. 5.4. That means it's super important. And they were saying, you know, the 4.5. And what were we talking about that whole time then? Discipleship's in the toilet. We need to increase it. So this is exactly what that number reflects. And it's our second highest priority. Now, tell me. 2013, where is it? I think that's, of all the things that I've ever seen listed and what's important here, I think that's the single most important one, right? Everything ought to go towards that. So people still think it's super important, but it's not on our list. Why? Because something has happened here where people are saying, I'm developing a personal relationship with Christ. There's something that's happening that's telling people this is happening. You see that? So they're saying, it's good, it's happening. Now, does that mean we're perfect? Anybody want to say that? Because, you know, you don't belong here, okay? We're not perfect. We're far from perfect. We all get this, right? But this is not a day for celebrating our failure. This is a day for celebrating what God has done. And what God has done is, is that he has increased discipleship at Lake Sam, which is why we did everything we did. So right here, I, I could just stop the sermon and say, thank you, Jesus. What we, what we were trying to do was draw people closer to Christ, and what these numbers are telling us is, is that we're succeeding. And I just want to say thank you, God. Right? Yeah. All right. What's our top one? Promotes a strong serving culture. Remember what we were talking about in 2011? You need to get involved in serving. Pros were doing it. They're not doing it anymore. You need to get on a steering team. You need to get on a ministry team. You need to get to a place to where you're actually doing something in God to where God can start doing something in you. See, and it's not just about the ministry. It's about the politics of the group. It's about all kinds of things that are going to happen. But the point is, is that God is using this experience to disciple you just like he did the original ones. What did he do with them to disciple them? They got to see it, but then they had to do it. He sent them out. And as they went out, that's where they really learned. See it? I saw it, and now I'm putting it into practice. Okay? Now, 5.1, that's still a pretty good score, right? That, it still is not, it's only a moderate prominence at the lower side, but, you know, it's not high on the moderate. And yet, again, take a look. Remember what we tried to do? We were trying to bring people closer to Christ through serving. So our number one and our number two were bringing people to Christ in 2011, bringing people to Christ and serving, and now look, 2013, it's gone. What's that mean? Praise Jesus. And thank you, because you guys have stepped up. And all that had to happen for this to not happen at all was for people to hear the vision and say, eh, no thanks. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to respond. And if that would have happened, I can tell you these numbers would be totally different. In fact, I'm not sure I'd be here. Not because I would have left, but because I would have had to have left. Because they would have said, you're ruining the church, Kurt. We're going to bring in somebody who doesn't do that. You understand? 
I mean, my job is on the line when we started this. I told you guys that, and it's real. It's less real now, because now all of a sudden I'm starting to go, wow. Okay. Now, let's just take this to the next place. I just want you to see this. Provides a strong serving culture, develops personal relationship, church leaders model how to grow, provides worship, compelling worship, chance to grow. Now, look what our, look what our top five are in 2013. Look at how different they are. Provides a chance to grow with others. It's the only one that overlaps. Provides strong programs for children. Helps me in my time of emotional need. Church leaders model how to grow. Encourages accountability. See how it's a totally different list? See that? So the things that were on the top five, we've worked on. That was the things we were working on, and they have disappeared from the list. And now there's some things up here, but let's be really careful. Look at the level of satisfaction on them. I mean the priority score. You see how low it gets? There's only one that's in the moderate now. Every single other one is saying, you're actually doing quite well in this. Something's got to percolate up to the top five. These are the things that happen to percolate up. But you're doing well. You see it? All the way down the line. Okay, now, that's cool. I hope that that's edifying. But you ain't seen nothing yet. Now we're going to drill into some things. We're going to do senior pastor, and I, I really debated with myself whether to even put this in here. And I almost didn't put it in here. And the reason why I almost didn't put it in here is because I just don't want to talk about myself. But, but I do think that there's an important thing in here that's important enough to call attention to. Here's what I want to point out. Into, we're going to start doing this in a slightly different manner so we can move more quickly now, because now that you get how the charts work. In 2011, look at my priority scores. 5.3, 5.2, 4.9, 4.9, 4.6. Those are still not bad. It means you're basically happy with me, but there are some problems, right? Now, anybody who knows me knows that's true, right? I'm, I'm likable, but yeah, you know, okay? But look at what they, look at what you want, look what your attraction develops at ministry leadership teams. See, that's number one. We want him to do that. I've been saying this is what we need to be doing in 2011. Identifies and encourages gifts and talents. Isn't that what we're talking about? Helps ensure the church is financially stable. I've given that to the council because I'm not good at that. Models and reinforces how to grow spiritually. Maintains harmony. You see what I mean? Those three of those top five are really awesome things that a senior pastor has to work on. And I'm in the moderate. I'm good. I mean, relative to all the other pastors out there, we're in the top quarter percentile of all the churches in the country on these things, right? And these scores right here are pretty good. But now let me show you what 2013 looks like. Now, there's a lot of overlap, if you'll read that. See, in these next sections, you're going to see a lot of overlap. These things are still the most important ones, but look at the scores. There's not one score, though, that isn't less than half of what it was two and a half years ago. Not one. Do you know what that means? That means we're 100% better than we were two and a half years ago. Do you see that? What this means is, is that we took a risk. You guys came with, and you're saying it worked. And we're not nervous about you anymore. See, you should be. But, okay. But do you catch the drift? I mean, that's really good stuff. And even then, there's better. Top priority for weekend services, 2011. Worship is a big one. 
right? Because we're doing this big change in worship. Health may apply scripture to everyday life. Man, that's important. Next steps to do in response to the service. Challenging and thought-provoking. Use of stories of, of real people. Now look at this. Only two of them are in the moderate range. The other ones are solidly in the not really a problem range. And we got a 1.8 down here on our, you know, that means there's another 20, 30 items here that are less than 1.8. That's really good. We're doing really good. 2011, we look good. 2013, look at us. This is ridiculousness. This is, this is crazy. Health, these are much less than 50%. You see what I mean? Uh, helps me apply scripture to my everyday life, challenging, thought-provoking, frequent use of scripture. See, there's still important things that are over here, but look at the scores. Look at 0. 0.6. <laughs> That's like, how do you get lower than 0.6? You know what I mean? Can I just say thank you? Okay? This is awesome. This is because you guys did this. This is because we all said yes to what God was doing, and then God said, now that you said yes, I'll let you see what it looks like. And doesn't it just feel different? Those of you who were here in 2011 to now, can't you just feel how different it feels here? Right? So that's these numbers telling subjectively what you feel isn't just subjective, it's real. Okay? There are real improvements that are taking place. Thank you, God. Watch this. Top fires to small groups. This one is a smaller segment. This is one of the reasons why we couldn't do this one hard copy. Because this test is, or this assessment does this. If you're in a small group, then it loops you into small group questions. If you're not in a small group, you loop out. See what I mean? You, you go to the next section. So this is one that we had about, it was a little more than half the people in the church said I'm involved in a small group. Now in 2011, 4.8, look, a trustful atmosphere to admit my shortcomings, safe place to process issues, holds me accountable, place where I can develop friendships, guidance for better decision making, 5, 4.8, 4.3.1, 1.1, that's pretty good, right? Okay, check 2013. That's crazy. There's not even one. If we got rid of that point six, we wouldn't even have one that was halfway to one. And it goes to 20 and more. Do you see that? Let me tell you what this means. The other half of the congregation that's not in a small group, they really work. They're really good. Get involved in a small group. Because here's what the half of the church that's involved in a small group is telling you. There's a place where I can develop genuine friendships. It holds me accountable to lead a Christian walk. It's a truthful, a trustful atmosphere for me to admit shortcomings and mistakes. I get guidance for better decision-making in my life. It's a safe place to process issues I'm facing in my real life. Does anybody think that those things are important? Right? And here's what's being said by people that are in those groups. <laughs> I'm really satisfied with how it's going. I just don't know how you could get any numbers better than that, except that we did. Top priorities for serving at my church. Remember, serving was the big thing, right? The way we're going to disciple is we're going to move ministry back into the congregation, right? So 2011, we're still good. 4.7, that's the only moderate one. And then 3.5, 2.1, 1.2, 0.6. These are really good scores for serving back then. Want to see what 2013 looks like? 
I love this. Do you see the bottom right-hand score? It's a minus 2.9. I didn't know you could get a minus. <laughs> you know what that means? That means that people are so satisfied with it, they're more, they're, they're, they're like, I don't even know how to, if somebody good at statistics, tell me what the heck that means. Because the one thing I do know is, is it means it was going really, really, really well. <laughs> right? I mean, that's just amazing. And you see there's super important things, and they're working really well in serving. It's working. The things that God led us to do are working. Praise God. Time to look back. Are there still problems? Can we get our eyes on the problems so that we're focusing on the problems and saying, well, we still got problems? Yeah, that's what we're going to do tomorrow. Okay? Because we're going to keep working on our problems. Right? But today, this is a day for hope. This is a day for God has come into this church and done something magnificent. And let me make it clear. Here's the magnificent thing that he's done. In Revelations, there's a scene where there's 24 elders that surround the throne room of God. And they have crowns that have been placed on their heads. The scripture tells us they've been placed on their heads. And when it comes time for them to worship, they come off of their crown where they're seated and they go prostrate to the ground and they take their crowns and they cast them back at God. And here's what they're saying. You put a crown on my head and put me on a throne because of what I did, but I know better. It wasn't me that did it. You're the one who did it. So you get the glory. Do you see it? And here's what I want to say. Thank you guys for stepping up and moving. But absent his favor and his blessing, we would never see scores like this. Do you see it? You're stepping up and he's saying, I like that you're stepping up, so I'm going to cause it to go well. Do you know how badly it could have gone for me to have 30 to 40 people from this congregation now preach here? How bad could that have gone? Somebody just tell me. Because I can tell you that could have gone very badly. Right? How well has it gone? I think, I think the last three sermons that we've gotten, Eric Lee and then Kevin and then Justine, those are three of the best sermons we've had at the church. I'm kind of going, I'm not the best preacher here anymore. <laughs> now, I'm, not, I'm saying that and I'm not kidding you. That's how I'm starting to feel. I'm starting to feel like God's got testimonies in people that are better than anything I could preach. And we're raising people up to do this. And it is going well. And I believe in all my heart, it's not because I spend time working with them. It's because God is favoring that we're doing the right thing by calling people to do something that nobody really wants to do and that stand up here and talk in front of people for a long period of time. And yet they're getting the nerve to do it and they're standing up here and they are delivering his word to us in ways that put people that have gone to seminary to shame. And it's better for us, isn't it? It's more real. It's got something in it, right? Wow. One last one. We would expect those in need to be very high because do remember our very first hire was Chris Maddox. And the reason why we hired her was because we, we, saw, all this, we saw more money coming through for benevolence than we did for tithe. And, we, and I said, who's doing that? And they said, Chris Maddox. And I went to Chris Maddox and I said, we don't have any money because we didn't have much. And I said, we don't have any money, but we're going to start paying you. And here's why. We want to be a church that does this kind of reaching out to people in need. That's who we want to be. And in 2011, look at that. All good scores. We were doing really good in 2011. 
Now we got two negative numbers. <laughs> the highest one is a 2.1. <laughs> Do remember, they go to 20. <laughs> I just have to tell you, I just am sitting here. I, when, when, I show, when I saw these numbers, I was in, a, I was in staff. And we took a break, and I looked at them, and I just was going, I was seeing negative numbers. I went, I didn't know you could get negative numbers. And I was like, this is unbelievable. And, and I showed it to the staff. And literally, the staff has been working so hard and has put their own necks on the line and done these kinds of things. And, and the staff was doing the same thing I was doing, which is I, we could have just all broke down and just cried in thanksgiving to the Lord right there. It was just so amazing. And I, I want you to understand, that's not because of what the staff did. That's because of what you did. Now, obviously, ultimately, it's because of what God did, but I think that God wants to do something here today, and that is, I think he wants to bring it back to us, and I think he wants to say to you, well done, good and faithful servants. Well done. You, you responded. You stepped up. You've, you've been doing the things that it takes, and I'm doing now the things that I want to do in order to completely transform lives. Completely transforms a church, too, but a church is nothing more than the lives in it. Right? And who cares about that? What we care about is the lives. Individual, personal lives. So we're going to do something right now. We're going to take about 10 minutes. And I want you to, I want you to, this is going to be so awkward, right? I remember one time, uh, I won't say their name because, because he'd be embarrassed and I wouldn't do that to him. This is a family that I love dearly and we were over at their house for dinner one night and, and we were just sitting there and we were, you know, and, and, uh, and the young kid who probably at this point in time, I'm going to say, was just about in junior high. We're right in the middle of the conversation. He goes, let's all say what we like about me. <laughs> now, I didn't know, but this was a tradition in their household where to edify each other, they would go around the table and they would talk about what they really liked about what somebody had done that week. You see what I mean? But it was just so funny, you know, let's all talk about what you like about me. <laughs> and he was just waiting for it, you know. We were like, wow, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard, you know. But can I do something? I want to hear what you think about us. This is not a time to thank you for your grandmother being healed or other things that are wonderful that God is doing in your lives, and I'm not, many, I'm not diminishing those whatsoever. Praise you, God, for all that kind of stuff. I'm asking for testimonies about what God is doing in your life because you're here. It could be, by the way, there's a lot of new people that are here, and I want you to testify too. Why are you here? What's happening? See what I mean? What difference does it make to lives to be here? This is a moment, again, I just get the spirit of it. We're not doing this to pat ourselves on the back and become prideful. We're doing this because God wants us to remember. Because it gives you a new level of hope that you will engage him more fully tomorrow. You see that? You hear some good testimonies about what God is doing in people. That makes you say, I want to do that too, and I want to do it more. You see what I mean? And then we'll go even further. I, the next time we take this test in two or three years, what would happen if we got all negative numbers on everything? Normally, that'd be a bad thing. In this case, we're already, I don't know what top percentile we're in, but we're in a very high top percentile of churches in the country in terms of what's happening here. So I want to hear this, and I want us to hear this, okay? So thank you guys. So go ahead. 
Well, just what's God doing? What's God doing in your life here? This is a time to sort of cast vision and give testimony to what God's been doing in you because of Lake Sam so that we can be encouraged to move forward. Is that, did I help with that? Go ahead and stand up and give your name and then, okay. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> exciting. Okay, so my name is Ariel and I really, 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 really love this church. So before I came here, I went to this really, really big church, and there was no community at all. So then I stopped going for a year. And then Andrew, right here, he took me to the summer, not a summer camp, he took me to a winter camp, and then I saw how everybody was just really, really happy and excited. So I said, Andrew, take me to your church. So then he did. And then I came here. And then everybody just accepted me immediately, and everybody was like, cool. And now you guys are like my family. It's great. You guys support me. I love it here. I'm going to like cry because I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. And I just filled out her application for Northwest College because that's where she's going now. And she's going after a leadership thing at Northwest College and she'll probably get that too. And the whole I nine yards. I love you guys. It's incredible. Go ahead, Greg. Uh, we, we labored in a couple, three different churches over the last uh, 36 years and coming here um, we found out that people were free to be who they were, number one, that we had pastors that cared for us, not what, they, what, not what we could do for the church, and number three, a place where family could be, and bring your family, and not ashamed, and not embarrassed, and just accept it, and it, I, I mean, after, I think Maureen would testify to this, that after the 30-some plus years that we spent uh, in places where we felt somewhat enslaved, that we're free to serve here. And just uh, an aside a bit to the worship steering team, um, I thought I knew a lot till I got to know these guys who are, some of them half my age, and are teaching me things, new things, that I need to hear and learn. And I love that about this place. And, and not any diss whatsoever on what he said, of course. But can I just do something? I recognize that it's nice to tell the contrast between an old church and this church, but just for the sake of our body, who those other churches are too, if we could stay more on the this and not so much the contrast part, I get that it makes the story better, but you know what I mean? Everybody gets that, and I know you get that, Greg, and so I know it's not an issue, but go, but go ahead. Uh, Anne, go ahead. Did, was there a hand raised over there? You gotta, yeah. You gotta raise it to where I can call it. But we're doing Anne, and anyway, then we'll come back over to uh, Sydney. Okay, what am I saying? Uh, so anyway, this church. Your name? Anne. My name's Anne. Sorry. Um, it's, anyway, this church has been, um, you know, a real lifesaver for me, and you know, I've just gone through a real fun time for three and a half years, and you know, the church has just really stepped up in a lot of ways and you know and yet at the same time um i also kind of recently just said you know lord i need you desperately desperately need you and yeah. you know you've had people encourage me and so i'm really yeah. blessed <laughs> which is the point we're going after how to get deep into christ go ahead sandy i'm sandy and um my testimony is about serving i come usually on monday mornings and help in the office and I wanted to, I, last Sunday, or last Monday, I really wanted to write up something to put into the bulletin. And I said, Lord, if you really want me to tell people about this, give me an opportunity. So this is it, so I don't have to write. But, um, <laughs> but um, 
three weeks now. Um, one week, uh, maybe a couple months ago, I was able to participate in um, leading someone to the Lord. Amen. And um, just because I was at church serving, and um, I was just at the right place at the right time. And then just a couple weeks ago, I was at the right place at the right time here at church serving, and I got to witness a fellow that had just um, received um, Jesus as his Lord and was baptized, and he was so excited. And his testimony, I, I just sat there with Julie, and we were just listening to his testimony, just blown away because it was so um, explosive. I mean, it really was. It, uh, I, I could go into more detail, but I won't. But I got the blessing because I was there to hear his testimony. And then um, just last week, um, I was able to share with a couple of the gals in the office a, a testimony about a young man who had stage four cancer. And, and uh, he was making some videos for his um, one-year-old daughter. She was even less than a year-old daughter, I think. And hearing his story and how God was moving in his life and how he was um, using God to fortify him, just each one of these things has increased my faith tremendously. Yeah. And I, so I'm one of those minus numbers on, on serving because when you make yourself available, um, God blesses you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We're going to do something. We're going to come to Mike, and then just because I, there's several hands that raised in the back, we're going to go to Mike, so come forward, and then we're going to go right back there to the couple, three, four hands I saw, then we will come forward. Okay, go ahead. Hi, my name is Mike. Um, I was never at a church until, like, March of this year, and like I say, it feels like I've been here forever. Um, I'm here in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here probably three days a week I'm here. Um, my kids go to the Wednesday youth group. I have a threefold that meets here on Wednesday. Um, and I got to say, I like Sundays, but man, during the week, this place Amen. is cool. It really is. There is stuff happening, whether I'm helping with something or I'm being helped. So, Amen. you know, I felt welcome from the minute I got here and man, it has grown like you couldn't believe since then. So I want to thank each and every person in here for making this place what it is. Amen. Now we're going to go towards the back, okay? So, all right, I see Roger and Hannah. So we'll do Hannah, and then we'll go to Roger. Is that all right? Uh, well, then we're going to go Roger. Okay, Hannah, and then Roger. <laughs> Hannah's the one with the slightly shorter hair. Longer <laughs> hair, I mean. <laughs> He's trying to grow it out. Come on. All right, go ahead. So we've been here for about a year, and one of the things that I've always loved and appreciated about this church is, one, how welcoming it is, but without being too in your face, right? It's yeah. perfectly balanced. And um, how the community is and how there's kind of a bias towards action and taking, taking this, internalizing it, and doing something in your life. So I've realized that, you know, I have a gift of prophecy, which I have finally understood what, what I'm hearing and what that is, and it's from God, and it's empowered me to take action and try to make a difference in other people's lives of what God's trying to do. Amen. Um, and one really cool thing is I have a five-year-old, and being at this church and it's biased towards action and its community and everything that all of you are feeling and, and expressing is that 
I've learned how to really, I'm not great at it, but I'm getting a lot better at making God really the center of everything. And I'm teaching my five-year-old that. And so he's never, I, I hope, he's never going to know a life without God being the center of everything. You know, tying it all back Whoa. to God and how God can help him and pray to God and thank God. And it's just so cool because the way I see him responding and him bringing up God on his own, it's like, I, wow. That just gives me such happiness. And the third thing, and I know you like us to keep it kind of brief, but um, my, my husband, Joel, it's amazing because I've seen a complete transformation in him, um, a true Lord. type of, like, lightness and joy. And it's just been, like, it's so cool to actually see God make a difference in someone's life, and it's phenomenal. So Amen. thank you. And, Joel, talk to me before you leave today, okay? Ha-ha. <laughs> That's not a bad thing. That was, we, he, we didn't connect this week, and I want to get together with him, and I want to set it up before he leaves today. Okay, Roger. That's funny. Okay, I'm the other Roger in this church. Um, some of you get that. Uh, but we were here, came probably about a year before the 2011 survey, and one thing I think Kathy and I really enjoy about this church is that you don't get pigeonholed into if you're old, or if you're young or you're middle, you're able to float around yeah. into those various groups yeah. and have influence, and, and they respect you. Yeah. You know, whether you're young, whether you're old, you just really get to move around, and I think, I think that's really amazing. And also, if you, what we've also noticed, if you look around today, just think of what the age group was in 2011, where do you think that median age has gone today? Yeah. We're becoming the now generation church. Yeah. Yesterday was amazing at the party. I, I walked right now and went, I had no idea there was this many kids here. You know what I mean? They were just everywhere. It was wonderful. You know? Okay, we just have time for a couple of more, and then we're going to wrap up. But go ahead. Who's got? Okay, so come on forward. I, I feel like there's a steering team person that needs to say something. So, all right, so go ahead. Let's, let's do, let's do, we got two right here, if you don't mind, okay? Hi, I'm Linda Rogers. I'm Zach's mom. And I came to this church probably a, a year and a half ago just to set a good example for his children. And, it, and I would stay as short as I could. <laughs> and then as time went by, and you started the Empowered series about what are people's real gifts, I got kind of hooked in on that. And then Jim Lebonsky spoke, and church became something real, because she talked about something real. She didn't talk about a, a thousand heady things that weren't yeah. real in my life. Yeah. And so I started coming more. And then I came because I loved the music. And then I would leave after the music, no offense. It's all right. But, <laughs> but it was still too heavy for me. And I was so bitter. I was so bitter and I was so mad at Jesus for so many things. It was like Jesus and God, it's kind of like the baby in the bathwater. And I threw a lot of things out, and Jesus got thrown out at the same time. <laughs> and then I started staying past the music. <laughs> and then I started coming because I wanted to come 
and I was disappointed if I had to miss it for the weekend. And then there was the baptism, and it's been a lot of years. I wanted to jump in the font, and that's, I'm not involved in anything else in this church. I probably know 10 people's name. It's only the service that I come to, and the service has made all the difference. Amen. All the difference. I actually have a relationship with Jesus that I never had because I was mad at him. And I'm not mad, and he's my friend, and he's helped me plan a wedding because Jade wasn't here yet, and I was alone, and some of the women stepped up, amazing women in this church. But the everyday thing, I'd say, Jesus, can we go to the store together? Because I didn't want to be alone all the time. And Jesus would come. And that's because I started coming to this church. And God came. And God absolutely came. Yeah. And it was funny. I never was mad at God exactly. But I was mad at Jesus. <laughs> and so it got all twisted and convoluted. But the chains in the drawer seemed to have gotten straight and thank, thank you, you Jen and thank, thank you, you church body Joy. You still want to go? Okay. we're going to do this one last one and then we're we're wrapped up okay I'm sorry I know there's other people that would like to speak um, so my name is okay. Joy I'll let you in and um, I came to this church starting in February and it was before February I had done a series of church hopping and <laughs> Um, it became just kind of the habit to every Sunday kind of go to a different church or like every few weeks. And then finally my mom said, you need to pray and ask God specifically for what you're looking for. And I wrote that down. I went home and I prayed and I was saying, God, I want a church that is open to your spirit that will stop preaching if need be during this sermon if God is pouring out. Amen. And who will just completely mess up the structure if they have to. If God is showing up, let him show up. And Amen. so so I prayed, and then I um, Googled churches in Bellevue. I was new to the area, and I hardly, I didn't really have any friends here. And um, But I knew that I wasn't just supposed to, like, move around. I'd, like, moved, like, 18 times, like, since I was 18 years old. And I was thinking, okay. I am going to pray. I know, I believe that this church, the church where they're open to the Spirit of God, it exists. I'm going to pray. And so Google churches, and I went down a list of about 20 different churches, and I was praying over it. And then I went to the Lake Sam website, and I just really felt strongly. After about third, the third sermon, I thought, oh, it looks like they're having a women's retreat. The sermons have been great. I am going to go there this Sunday. So on February, um, first week of February, I came, and that's exactly what I've seen. And so, you know, and so I've been, you know, ever since then, I've just been wanting to get involved. You know, I've been getting involved in children's ministry and whatnot because I know that God is um, here, Amen. and you guys are allowing him to do what he wants. Amen. Thank you. There is one more, so go ahead. Um, I was just listening at the beginning and when Kurt was just like, hey, thank you, you know, worship steering team. And, and what I just want to say is from serving on worship steering team and with the youth steering team, we want to thank you. 
um, we, there's no reason that we should have, be running these ministries. You know, we, <laughs> I sit in these meetings, I'm like, why are we here? This is crazy. What are we doing? <laughs> but thank you. I mean, as much as Curtis thanked us, I want to, we, we want to thank you guys for giving us the chance and letting us serve alongside of you. And, and when we fail, you let us fail. And, you know, and when we get something right, praise God, it's not us, but it's God. So I just, yeah, thank you for giving us the opportunity to do this. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name, this congregation now bows before you. And we do what those elders do. And we just, we just fall prostrate before your throne. And we take those crowns and we cast them at your feet because we want to say thank you. We want to say thank you for giving us this time of being able to celebrate, of being able to see the forest again, of being able to see why we're here and what we're doing and why we're doing it and see that it really is working, that you really are making a difference, that it really isn't just a subjective thing, but that we can look at and see that you are making a difference in people's lives and we want to say praise you, God, forever. So in Jesus' holy and precious name, God, we recognize that we're still at the front end of a process, of a journey. We recognize that the journey stretches out into eternity, and we're, we're what, three or four steps into it now. The three or four steps make us never want to have anything but this. But we recognize that there's so much more that you want to bring. And so, God, having remembered, we now turn our focus to where we are going, and we say in Jesus' holy and precious name, here am I, send me. Here are we, send us. In Jesus' holy and precious name, God, send us. Go with us. And if you don't go with us, don't send us. But God, in Jesus' holy and precious name, anoint us and go with us. And let us, the next time that we look at a survey, in two, three years, let us be blown away yet again at the utter transformation that you have done in lives at this place. And not just here, but spreading into the community, spreading into friends and neighbors and coworkers, loved ones. In Jesus' holy and precious name, God, thank you, thank you, thank you for what you have done. And now, God, equip us and empower us, move us into what you want to do. Thank you for this. We reach down in front of our, and we grab these cups and in the lower of the two cups that you're grabbing from the chair in front of you is this, this wafer that is to be Christ's body. And what we recognize is, is that by not doing things in the way that you were leading all along, way before 2008, that we broke things. And so we put our finger in there and we hear that sound of breaking and we understand that the choices that we made broke things but that you went to the cross to heal them all, to make them whole. And so together this congregation lifts this cup and we say in Jesus' holy and precious name, make us whole. Take this communion together, would you? And now we lift this cup in which is the blood that was shed for us and we recognize that this blood means everything that needed to happen was done in the moment of the shedding of that blood of Christ. And now what we do is we say, God, make that life that you've already purchased for me, make it be the actual life that I'm leading. Make it be the actual lives that we are all leading. 
So in Jesus' holy and precious name, we take this together saying to you, Lord, make my life line up with what you want it to be. In Jesus' name.